and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast, where you can learn powerful techniques to change the way you feel. I am your host, Rhonda Borowski, and joining me here in the Murrieta studio is Dr. David Burns. Dr. David Burns is a pioneer in the development of cognitive behavioral therapy and the creator of the new teen therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 30 languages. David is currently an emeritus adjunct professor of clinical psychiatry at Stanford University School of Medicine. Hello, Rhonda. Yo, David. Hello. Hello, Kyle. (laughs) Hello. Glad to be back. Yes. Well, welcome, everyone, to episode 157, and we're so excited to welcome back Kyle Jones. And it seems like you were just here. I I know. Time just totally flies by. It's like magic. Yeah, we're on like Harry Potter land. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, this... uh, Podcast audience is 60% general public, mm-hmm. 40% therapists. Mm-hmm. And yet I think this is a topic that both audiences might have a lot of interest in. It's certainly a topic that, that I'm tremendously interested in. And uh, that topic is, Kyle will now explain. Uh, training. Getting yep. some training to do team CBT, to do team. Well, give... Tell, tell us what that's been like and tell us what your <laughs> thoughts are about that. I know you've wanted to do a podcast on this and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about, about the topic. I think um, I was excited to do a podcast on this topic because I'm in, I'm, I'm in my graduate clinical training, right? I think, um, well, I guess I should say I'm, I'm a clinical psychology PhD student at Palo Alto University in my fifth year at the time of this recording. So you're all but dissertation? I've done my, yeah, I've got to finish my dissertation. It's proposed and I'm working on the project and then I've got to do my one final internship, right? And then they confer the degree and all that good stuff. Then you got to get licensed, you know, um, but that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. But what I, I wanted to talk about specifically was kind of how really just great it's been to have gotten some team training with David and Rhonda and, and everyone else in the Tuesday group, Jill and Danielle, and, and then everyone at the Feeling Good Institute, Angela and Moore. And, um, because it's just been such a blessing to do, yeah. <laughs> to get that kind of training. I know, you've been trained with the superstars of well, team. Well, I think also I joined David's Tuesday group before I even saw my first patient, before I was even at my, across from a patient and in my in the first training clinic I was ever at and it was just so great to have such great training well Kyle how did you find out about the Tuesday group and team training and David Burns it, it was so um, so interesting I think I still have the emails from David I I was working at this intensive outpatient program in Santa Barbara called Recovery Road Medical Center and they loved your book Oh. They, they gave out the uh, Feeling Good Handbook to every patient. Oh, cool. And, um, and they used, the, they had the toolkit and they used a lot of your, your methods, I think probably before it, you had dubbed it TEAM, T-E-A-M. And so then I knew I would be in the Bay Area and I would be in Palo Alto. And so I just decided to look you up and I saw on your website that you had your training group and I emailed David and he said, sure, come check it out. <laughs> and that was it. But That's that was cool. kind of bold of you to email David. I think I was very deferential, and I said, "Oh, dear Dr. Burns, you know, I'm 
You're, you're a great Dr. You're, Burns. You're, you're <laughs> all great, mighty, powerful Dr. Burns. <laughs> Could I please join your curtain. group? <laughs> well, tell us some of the highlights of your training. What's worked for you? And you might have seen some training that, 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 that you, you, perhaps wasn't so good. I know when I was, uh, I had two, two kinds of training. When I started at Highland Hospital in Oakland for the mm -hmm. first two years, and they didn't have many faculty at all because mm. it's a community mental health you know yeah. county hospital we had hundreds of the most severe individuals with the most severe schizophrenia you can you can imagine but it was it was mainly psycho farm and then mm -hmm. just try to form a relationship there we weren't taught a lot about psychotherapy uh, although you know compassion was was clearly often one won the day a little bit here 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 were there and then I went back to Penn to complete my residency and and it was uh, I was on a depression research unit so there was a lot of psychopharmacology but not a, again not a lot of training and I remember I was once asked to lead a group for the veterans mm -hmm. uh, and because uh, I guess the regular therapist was sick or something sure and I said well, step well, how do you do yeah. how, how do you do in a group and, and and they said oh you don't have to do anything you just sit there and that, and they'll complain for about an hour and a half oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened and and then you know I had psychoanalyst training me uh, one year oh wow and for my, you know, outpatients, and and they they, they would just say, tell tell me more, just to say that to your patients. Did they did times. they face you, or did they look away from you on the couch? No, it was face to face. Oh, okay. It wasn't like that. But <laughs> they, they were the head of the the psycho. There were the two psychoanalytic societies in Philadelphia, wow. and I think I had the president of both of them. Wow! But uh, as your I, patients. As my supervisors. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm. But they, I'm they needed out. treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but but they, it was there was never any instruction in anything that would help the patients. It was just kind of tell them to express their their feelings and uh, and and I, I never like learned anything. And then when I finally in my postdoctoral, I got into Beck's weekly mm -hmm. seminar, and then there were real techniques to learn. That yeah. was exciting to me. But I think. For me, it was a little. It's been a little bit of the opposite, right? It's been a lot of like, oh, here, try this. There's this oh, manual, yeah. or there's this school oh, of yeah. therapy, and you learn about this. And these are all these, what what you'd call M equals methods for, you know, how to kind of fix or problem solve or get patients to do X, Y, or Z yeah. to kind of cure them of whatever. It's not cure them, right? The psychology rarely uses that language, but yeah. you know, to help them, right? But there was, Selling things to the patient. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, to like, help them manage their symptoms, not to be cured of them. Yeah, right? exactly. But but the, the I guess the point I'm I'm trying to make is the the which is something that you have both talked about on your podcast many times. With the paradoxical agenda setting right. element is just so missing. Yeah. From from any other training experience I've had, and I think you know I have had other training experiences. Where I got to learn some ACT therapy or some DBT therapy or some functional analytic psychotherapy or uh, motivational interviewing or something, and and because I started with you in the Tuesday group, I you know you've always said team is is not a 
like a new school of therapy. It's a way of doing therapy. Right. So it was easy for me to translate all those different kind of methods and get them to fit into the framework of how to do therapy that I learned from you and everyone else in the Tuesday group. And then it kind of just, it, so it's cool. like I've got an extra, you know, kind of addition to my methods pot. You've got antibiotics so no one else has them. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, while always keeping in mind the, you know, tenets of outcome resistance and process resistance and then wanting to, you know, monitor your patient's scores on the testing forms and um, always having good empathy with your patients. I think the, the, the testing and empathy is also just amazing, especially the evaluation of therapy session rating scale. I, no one has ever had anything like that. Is that right? In any of the other training sites wow. I've been at. Let's tell the listeners what we're talking about because uh, we know, but they may not know. Let's start with what you just said about the empathy scales and helpfulness scales, the evaluation of therapy session that the patient takes after every session in the waiting room leaves it for the therapist, so the therapist can, can look at that and find out how the patient felt, felt about you. And uh, that's what, what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, I don't know how many items on there, but there's the empathy scale, right? The helpfulness scale, um, any feelings of discomfort you had, how much you're likely to do homework, yeah, things like that. And you get this rich information about what it was like for the patient to be in that session with you. Yeah. And it's, I mean... Right, because they, they also, there's a space where you can write what you liked best and what you like least about the session. So if it doesn't fit into the scale, they can, they can write to you what more detail, which yeah. is super great. Yeah, and your own perceptions will be so different. I mean, that's, that's it, it is just huge. I, I was recently uh, treating someone earlier. Um, was, I, I would say about a week ago, less, less than a week ago. And uh, I, I gave this fellow a free two-hour session. And uh, I, I think he thought he wasn't, wasn't good enough. And, uh, you know, it, I, I was pretty, pretty terrific, as I typically am. <laughs> <laughs> You're just immaculate. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he, 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 he sent me as an email the, the empathy scores. And, mm -hmm. and I had, like, the lowest I've had in 30 years oh my <laughs> in empathy. Uh, like it wasn't failing; it was like well below severe failure. It was like <laughs> horrific failure, and and it was yeah. I had a kind of a restless night. It's hard to, hard to sleep. It was shocking uh, how, how poorly I'd done. But I've always had this philosophy that your worst failure is your greatest success in disguise, and you can kind of stick stick with it. And then I emailed him the next morning and, and, and said, maybe, you know, it, it's disturbing that I did so poorly, but this could lead to a real breakthrough in our, in our relationship. And uh, I was just trying to think, because during the session, I'd used all of my five secrets as, as, as good <laughs> as I could. And, and he, but he kept, kept saying, I, I need to cry, and you're not saying the right words to make me cry. And, you know, it's like I was under this tremendous pressure and type of thing. I'm not crying yet, David. I want tears. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to make fun of it because people want to emote and, and yeah. have that cathartic thing. But then I, and then the next morning, I just wrote back to him and, and, and said, you know, I'm just it's really sad for you and it's, it's disturbing to me to see how 
much I screwed up there. And what, yeah, like what, you were missing what he was feeling. Yeah, tell me, tell me what I, I was missing and what was the feeling. And I said, what do you, because I got how lonely he was, how depressed he was, how, you know, all this stuff. But then he says, you did tune into just how inadequate I feel. Mm-hmm. And then we began talking about that and and uh, and a lot of other things. And, and all, all of a sudden it just turned around and, and he says, gee, I'm drifting into enlightenment. And, uh, you know, now we've we've been exchanging really uh, tremendous emails pretty much on a daily basis. And, you know, there's still more work to be done. But the, but the, the therapeutic relationship is just golden now. I still fail all the time. Yeah. Uh, with, with him. But, 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 you know, it's good, actually, because then we, we talk about it, talk about how angry he is with me and how ashamed he is of being angry with me. And, and these are just like things he's never had a chance to, to talk about before, that he's hiding all the time from people. Yeah. And, and so he's been very courageous and, and it's just allowed us to to develop a beautiful relationship, but it was scary for me as a therapist and painful. And I think, that, and yet something great came out of that, that failure. And I, I just think that so many therapists are afraid to, to use these, these ratings. As you say, it wasn't used anywhere and you're in one of the most up-to-date treatment program, training programs in the world. Right. And I just think it's it really, I mean, I make, I'm over the top on things. I, I just think it's an ethics violation not to be using these these scales and right therapy. because at the end of that session that you're describing, you were like, "Woohoo! I did a great job. I'm sure that guy's feeling great." And you would never have known that he was feeling so bad. It wasn't exactly like that. I think I thought, well, that wasn't the the greatest, but I didn't know just how horrible it was oh. until I got the, the the ratings. But but yeah, but I've had ones where I thought it was great, and then it was terrible. Yeah. And then you talk it over with the patient. You can almost always turn it around. P- patients appreciate humility and. Uh, and I think there's something you said that I wanted to to point out or or jump on a little bit was about the willingness to fail and yeah. how great failure is. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the most poignant benefits of of the team training in my mind, and is that kind of flipping the script on failure. Yeah. You know, because all of a sudden it kind of makes the fear go away of failure, right? Right. Like, oh, if I fail. That's okay. I'll just kind of fall back on what I already know how to do, which is to use the five secrets and, and empathize and, and connect with someone. And, and it's okay if I make a mistake and then I can kind of course correct because yeah, I've got gotten a, feedback. A yeah, yeah. A, a safety net to, yeah. to catch it at the end of the session. The patient knows you're going to read it and get back to them and it just transforms. transforms and adjust your work therapy. with them so that it meets their needs better. Yeah. See, I, I think that uh, all therapists should be required to, to use the, these scales, I, I predict within 10 years, they, they probably won't choose mine because I'm often <laughs> overlooked, I'm afraid, for whatever reason. But uh, the, I think it'll be required by uh, licensing yeah. agencies. You've got to be measuring symptoms at the start and end of every session. You've got to get get feedback from your patients. And what it would be fantastic, I, you know, I've been talking with my son Eric about an app for, for this to where therapists could actually have have your ratings published? Oh, as and then like you your know, handicap in golf uh, or something. Yeah, in a HIPAA compliant way, just between you and the patient. What? In a HIPAA compliant way, it's just oh, published oh, yeah. between yeah, you yeah. and the patient. The, uh, yeah. yeah, you'd have to have have the permission and, and all of that, but it would be, it, and it would be anonymous. I mean, you just but it, like, if you say you wanted treatment for anxiety, then you could go and see exactly. 
Because see, we, we can develop regression equations once we have all this data. And so we can calculate, say if we have in our database 10,000 therapists, we can put them all into an equation, a regression mm. equation, <laughs> and everyone can, can have their effectiveness calculated oh, wow. out, out to 10 decimal points if you want. Like, <laughs> how effective is this person in the treatment of marital problems, uh, anxiety, uh, depression, pa panic attacks? And so then you could go online, just like ratings of restaurants, and, and, and choose a therapist who's really getting great results yeah. in the exact problem that you have, rather than this mumbo-jumbo that we have today, where you, you, you go and... Go on blind dates, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't even get a picture of the person you're on a blind date with. You, know, it's, <laughs> you, know, you don't... It's just totally blind date. But, but tell us more, more about your, your training. I love, I love what you're saying. I think the other point when I was thinking about this podcast that I wanted to make, which is such a it's like simple first step as in as far as team goes, moving from the empathy phase to the agenda setting phase, is the invitation. It's yeah. such a simple thing, right? Are you ready to get to work now, or would you like to talk some more and keep getting some support and have me listen? It's really a powerful it's part. It's just it's kind of mind blowing how powerful it is, right? Because I was never taught. Like, when do you actually start? At what point do you actually, yeah. like, okay. When like, do you start doing therapy yeah, and like, stop, like, endless bullshitting? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm not supposed to use that word on the podcast. And endless talk. Yeah, I'll beat that out. <laughs> but, I mean, let's, like, let's just assume I had no team training whatsoever. I would be confused about when to start implementing all these other types of techniques or things that I've learned from yeah. school and other training sites. But with the invitation... It's just such a clear departure from, okay, now we're getting to work. Yeah. Right? Or maybe we're not. Maybe we're still in this in this empathy phase. Yeah. I think if every therapist learned how to do an invitation, yeah. at the very least, it would just be so awesome and amazing. Yeah. I'll give you a little story about that. I had sure. a student that was supervising a brilliant woman, uh, and she was, uh, for a while, the Stanford had a, an addiction treatment piece there in the behavioral oh, cool. sciences uh, building, and she was working in that area, as I recall, pretty sure. And she was a postdoctoral fellow in mm -hmm. psychology, so she was an NIMH-type person. So she was re real high-power and really sweet, too. And I was trying to teach her the invitation step. You know, after you've been empathizing for a while, you say, say to the patient, now, is there something you want help with or today, or did you want to need more time to talk and get support? Because that, that's important, too. And... And, uh, and, and, and she kept not doing it <laughs> for about six or eight weeks. And, and yet she liked me. She wasn't, you know, me an ornery or anything. You mean she's, she'd never accepted your invitation? No, no, she was my student. She was your student. I was teaching her. So with her patients, she never offered an invitation. Right. She, she couldn't seem to, to, to do this, but she, she, was, she probably had 180 IQ. She, like she's one of these super smart, kind of like, kind of like you. <laughs> and uh, but really, really, Please, Kyle. you know, yeah. super smart and, and, and kind and gentle at the same time. Oh. A, a really wonderful woman, but she would not do this. And, and she'd say, oh, I, I forgot or, or whatever. And she was having like 20 or 30 patients a week. Wow. And, and she hadn't even, you know, done it once in seven weeks. Yeah. And then I said, why aren't you doing it? Uh, and, and she says, well, to tell you the truth, um, 
I, I know it's incredibly important, but, but I'm afraid if I give the invitation step and ask them if they want help with something, they'll say yes. I won't know how to, how to help them. And she says, I know as long as I just keep, you know, empathizing and BSing with them, nothing will change, but they'll think it's good therapy <laughs> type oh. of thing. And so then wow. we talk that over uh-huh. and about, well, suppose they ask for something you don't know how to help them with, what would you do? And she says, oh, I guess I could tell them I'll get a consult from my supervisor this week. And and I said, Ex- yeah, exactly. So then great. she started using the invitation step, and it really transformed her clinical work. But there are these little things that seem so obvious to us, and it is my point is that there's intense resistance of therapists uh, around the United States, at least those are the only ones in Canada that, that I really know, that are, who aren't doing these things that make a world of difference. Well, I think that's the point, though, right, is that I, they do seem totally obvious to us. Yeah. But I think outside looking in, it's not obvious. Well, I have exactly. another story. Even though it kind of should be. Yes, exactly. Right? Well, yeah. I have another story about invitation is that, well, I hate to say this because I don't want you to get mad at me, but I always thought the invitation was kind of dumb. Because yeah. I thought, well, the patient is... A lot sorry. of people think I'm kind of dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, they're coming to your office. Of Hundreds course. of thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a patient is coming to your office, and of course they want help, so why would you ask them if they need help? It just felt really redundant. Exactly. And then um, when I took my level three exam, because I had forgotten about the invitation because I'd never done it, I didn't do the invitation to my exam. I failed the exam. And then I thought... This is the team CBT the team certification. C- right, so level yeah. three, it's an oral exam. And I failed like it. Like by a dentist, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a dentist is part of it. <laughs> but then after I failed it, I thought, okay, I am going to learn invitation. And I just issued invitations in the beginning, in the middle of, you know, <laughs> I was doing it repetitively. And um, it was so, I was shocked at how it changed the way the sessions went. Yeah. It was really powerful and really important. And I was kind of embarrassed that I thought it was dumb because it's such a um it's really it's empowering to the patient to say yeah i'm ready or no 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 i need some more support yeah yeah did you ever i don't want to put any of your supervisors in a bad light but did you ever have like at any really stupid training you know from me i'm sure but like from from some of the others (laughs) other other than me like like once one of my supervisors i I was saying that, that this patient is getting so angry with me all the time and says, I'm not helping him. And then I do what you've told me to. I wiggle my hands. And, and, and then he starts saying, you're, you're, you're not helping with me with my depression or my marriage. You just, you know, nod your head and wiggle your hands. What, what should I say to him? And, and so the, the analyst said, well, a- ask him if, 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 if you remind him of, your fa- of his father. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so the next session, the patient was chewing me out for not helping him, and he was kind of crying and kind of angry. And, and I said, D- do, do I remind you of your father? Oh, <laughs> and he says, not particularly, asshole. <laughs> you just suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ineffective. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've actually been very lucky. I, I've had um, supervisors that I've gotten along well with, and that I've um, learned some cool things from. Yeah. And and I think I had this mindset of kind of wanting to know what they had to to offer to give, or had yeah. to teach. And they all have some some gems. Exactly. To and I, um, so I, I didn't have any experiences, luckily, like that. 
However, I will say some of my peers have had experiences with supervisors where they ha- kind of have conflict or they, yeah. or they kind of butt heads with the supervisor yeah. or they're kind of afraid of the supervisor or something yeah. like that. And I've never, never had that experience. And when I have kind of felt that power dynamic in the supervision, supervisee role, I just fall back to the kind of disarming technique and some of the five yeah, secrets and, right. and flattery type, type right. of skills. Right. And not that I'm intentionally trying to BS somebody, but, you know, I kind of put myself in their shoes and do some stroking and say, oh, yeah, that's actually a great idea. I'll, I'll give that a shot. I, I love what you're saying. And I think um, that's totally worth trying. And you picked up on that point in the therapy, and that's totally smart. And I'd love to give that a shot, you know, (laughs) and then all of a sudden the situation is diffused. So that's even been a helpful element of the training, not in the therapist patient role, but in the supervisor supervisee dynamic too. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It it does. And then another thing that we're stressing in the Tuesday group is, is, is personal work. For, for, oh, yeah. You know, that I don't think you can really do great therapy, much less even, you know, very good therapy, unless you've, you've done your own personal work and dealt with your own insecurities and, and feelings of self-doubt. And uh, uh, has, have you had the chances to, to do that as well? Oh, yeah. I've had the chance to do personal work with you on a hike and a few times and in the Tuesday group once and then at at feeling good institute where i'm at as a as a trainee there part of the lower feet clinic they have a consultation group yeah that's offered you know you can get some help with a case or do some personal work yeah. and i've got some great personal oh, personal help there terrific um specifically with uh, procrastination yeah i was procrastinating my dissertation yeah <laughs> and i got some just great amazing help um, in the in the in the consultation group at FGI, and then it's just like you're saying that now that I've gone through it myself, and then I I work on it. When someone else comes to me with a similar problem, it's like I have a deeper level of understanding yeah. of what they're going through yeah. and what their resistance might be. Yeah, that's right. And and they pick up on your excitement. Yeah. Be, be, you know, like, I, 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 I've said so many times, I've had so many like anxiety disorders myself. So when I get someone who's anxious, I say, oh, I'm so excited. I'm just going to show you how to, how to crush it. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it, we're, it's, this is going to be a, a fantastic uh, journey for, for us. And, and that really puts the whole therapy on a different le- level for the patient. Yeah, because it's like you're the therapist and you're being kind of genuine, right? You're, yeah. That, that kind of wall is down about what's, you know, this, some professionalism or something yeah. kind of falls away. And you're like, yeah. oh, hey, I've, I've struggled with this and... I know just what to do, and we're going to tune you right up, and you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, what a great great thing. Anything else you want to mention about uh, tr- your training training experiences over the past four years? Um, just that um, it's kind of one of those things where I've been super luckily, lucky, excuse me, to have, you know, your Tuesday group to go to and training at FGI to go to, and, and I've actually got to start to do some teaching too 
in your oh, Tuesday yeah. night group. Oh, yeah, I love seeing your teaching skills blossom yeah. incredibly. And that's just another great way to to help improve your own skills, I think, or it's been true for me. Yeah, it's right? been true, it's true for me, true for too, 100%. Yeah. It's been true for me, too. Yeah. I, I, I've learned more as a teacher than I ever did as a student, although I learned quite a bit from Beck yeah. as, as a student. But uh, in, in teaching people, that's how team has evolved. You know, like when I teach people, I start learning new, new things while, while I'm teaching. It's like magic or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the feedback process that's built into doing therapy, right, is also built into doing some teaching. Teaching, yeah. We get yeah. feedback from the students. And right. I got busted last Tuesday by someone, <laughs> and I just sent her the third email to give me feedback. You know, what was it that turned you off? Because we, we did live work. She was in my group, and this woman had a miraculous transformation. Mm -hmm. She said she went from hell to heaven that night, and, and there was all kinds of laughter and tears, and it was like, it was like magic. And then I got busted in her ratings, and, and uh, she she's like seems to be refusing to 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 tell me what turned her off. I'm sure she, she probably sees me as some dangerous ogre, but it's it's important. <laughs> I'm gonna get that feedback and find out what you know what it was that that, that, that she didn't like uh, about it because that's learning for me. Right, and it's so courageous too. I mean, uh, at some level, all team therapists have a level of courage. To, to hear all of these things that could be painful. And yeah, it's hard. Us. It's hard for yeah. me because I screw yeah, up all the time. And when people point it out to you, it's kind of yeah, embarrassing or, yeah. or shameful. Now, we got to bring this to a close. One thing we've been talking about, the Tuesday group, and people listening may not be aware of it, but th this is a training group we have at Stanford Tuesday nights from 5 to 7.30, and it's for actually uh, Bay Area and Northern California uh, therapists. It's not just for Stanford people. Any therapist can come, and it's it's completely free. Right, so and there you, are people who drive a couple of hours to get to it. Oh yeah, from Central Valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you can get unlimited free ther therapy for yourself as a therapist, because through the personal work in the group, and un unlimited uh, free free training. But you know, I think it's important to because not everybody lives in Bay Area or California, and there are people who listen to this podcast all over the world. How do they get training? Well, there's a lot of online. I mean, well, oh, I have workshops coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing, if you're interested, I'm going to do a four-day intensive in Atlanta, Georgia, November 4 to 7, 2019. And, and the, uh, uh, you can go to my website, feelinggood.com, and, and find the uh, link to, to this and all my workshops and registration information and details. But th those are awesome, the intensives. And also this year, I'm going to be doing a one-day uh, empathy training workshop with my fabulous colleague, Dr. Jill Levitt. That's on October 6, 2019, and that's coming up, I think, pretty quick after this one will be, this podcast will be published. And, and you can join that one from anywhere in the world uh, online. It's mm -hmm. just a one-day program, and we'll have tons of people supervising the online folks, doing the, the, the small group exercises. Kyle will be there teaching you. Probably Rhonda will be there uh, teaching you. And uh, that, that's going to be a tremendous, uh, a tremendous day. If you're a therapist, the tools you learn that day can change your practice to help you com connect with the difficult, challenging, angry, resistant uh, clients, and, 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 and it can also help you with your personal life as well. Yeah, and I just want to say something about the four-day intensives. Yeah. I, you know, um, 
it's an it's you know people are coming from Mexico. People came from Mexico City to the San Francisco intensive. People come from all over. Yeah. They've come from China and um, these four days are life changing, both personally and professionally. Yeah. You you see from the master what it's David who created the team model. You know, he describes... The, the great master. The great master. You know, he, he does didactic information. He demonstrates what he's talking about. And then everyone has time to practice what yeah. they're learning. Yeah. So it's definitely hands-on, and it's 100%, a million percent worth the effort. Yeah, and we're going to do personal work, too. I mean, I guarantee that of the people coming to, to the workshop, I will, I will bring at least... 70% of you into a state of blistering euphoria and enlightenment during the workshop. <laughs> I mean, that was my experience. Was that, have you taken it, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, what I, was your experience? I, it was great. It was, it was really actually amazing. And you do a live demo, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Monday, just... Monday, the first night we'll do a live demo, and then people can be, be doing a solo flight the, the third night and can be doing personal work and downward area. It'll be great. So if you can join us at one of those two, that would be great. And thank you again, Can I make, can I make two last points? Y yes, Is you that sure allowed? can. Yeah. I think something I wanted to, to mention is all this training you do, you can get certified, right? Yeah. Through the, through the Feeling Good Institute. And I think that's a good way to kind of build community and, and stay connected oh, yeah. and keep on top of your training, um, which, is, which is kind of awesome, I think. And then the other point I wanted to make is that, to me, it's kind of been like a, something I need to continue to do repetitively <laughs> over and over again oh, yeah. to stay sharp and stay on top of my skills. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a practice, like going to church or something. Yeah, or like you learning know? to play the piano. Yeah. You have yeah. to work yeah. at yeah. it, you and gotta you go. get better and better and better over time. Totally. Yeah. And, it was, and it was challenging to learn at first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. 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 And then there's all kinds of online offerings uh, all year round at thefeelinggoodinstitute.com. You go to their training and you can join 12-week online introductory classes for mm -hmm. team and you know all kinds of wonderful stuff great they've got great great teachers and there are local teachers all over the country like jill kelly is someone who's teaching a 12-week introductory class in new orleans oh and they're cool. you know they're they're a new york there's two centers in new york, new york and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just picking up. Well, goodbye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please tell people about our podcast so our numbers, our numbers will grow. We're doing, well, as of today, uh, we're, we're doing like 75, 80,000 downloads a month of these, of these cool. podcasts. And, That's great. And uh, we, yeah. we, we hope it'll continue to build with, with your support. Tell your friends. And, and people your, you know who think might benefit from listening to it. Yeah, and if you're a therapist, t t tell your patients. If you're a patient, tell your therapists. <laughs> okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com, where you will find the show notes for this episode under the podcast page. You will also find archives of previous episodes and many resources for therapists and non-therapists. We welcome your comments and questions. If you want to support the show, please share the podcast with people who might benefit from it. You could also go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. The theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Rhonda Borowski. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.